everyone, and welcome to the Reformed Dissenters. Thank you so much for listening to us or watching us today. We really appreciate it. My name is Bruce Johnson, and I am joined here by Jacob Johnson. Hello. And today it's just us. It is just us, no Joe today, but hopefully he will be back next week. So we are looking forward to having Joe back. Nope, not next week. I just remembered next week we're having a special episode, and I'm just going to leave it at that, and I will announce what that is next week on the episode. (laughs) So no Joe this week or next week, unfortunately. All right. So um, if you want to follow us on all of the many different platforms that we're on, or I would highly encourage you to follow us on our Uh, pro-First Amendment platforms such as Rumble, Odyssey, and Gab TV, just in case we get censored by big tech, which is bound to happen any day now, you can go to our website, which is trdshow.net, to find a list of links to all of the platforms that we're on. You can also email the show with questions, data, anything you'd like to send our way. We've gotten lots of emails from you so far, and we really appreciate every last one of them. You can email the show at trdshow.net at protonmail.com and again that's trdshow at protonmail.com last week i said net and that was incorrect so i apologize for that if you sent your emails there and didn't get a reply from us that's why it is trdshow at protonmail.com uh if you're interested we say this every week and and this week joe is actually going to be recording his part of the show as a deep dive so if you want to see joe's version um of the chapters we read this week in our new book, which I'm about to announce, you'll have to follow us on our pro First Amendment platform. So if you're interested in hearing any of the other deep dives we've done so far on the current events we've talked about on the show, you have to follow us on our pro First Amendment platforms, and that's Gab, Gab TV, Rumble, and Odyssey. So follow us there if you want to see Joe's part of the show, which would be awesome. All right. It is a new month, and with a new month comes a new theme and a new book. So our new theme this month is, what is the realm and authority of Caesar? Again, that theme is, what is the realm and authority of Caesar? And we're going to be talking about more um, what that theme actually means throughout today's episode. And uh, our new book is actually, uh, our literature this month is God and Government, Volume 1 by Gary DeMar. Um, And as you can see, I am uh, sporting that book on my shelf here, um, and you'll see that in Jacob's shelf as well. Um, So, a bit of a show breakdown. This is our standard show routine. We're going to be breaking down the current events that happened this week, all the many, many things that happened. And also, after we do that, we're going to be talking about our new literature for this month, which is God and Government. Again, God and Government, Volume 1, um, by Gary DeMar. But before we get to any of that, we have to, of course, talk about the verse of the week. And this week, of course, it's three verses, which makes total sense, right? It's the verse of the week, but I've selected three, so this will be great. Um, but they all fit together with them, and I just couldn't figure out a way to uh, separate them and, and just pick one. So I figured I'd do all three. So the three verses I wanted to read back to back are Psalm uh, 22, verses 26 through 29. And they are, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. So this one, um, 
I really couldn't separate it because the first two verses set up the third verse really well. The third verse is what relates to our theme um, directly, but the other two verses set this up really well. Um, third verse talks about the kingship, um, kingship of, of Christ, of, of the Lord. Kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. But the first two verses talk about what that looks like. They talk about what the, the kingship, the ruling of the nations from God himself looks like. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. The families of the nations shall worship before you. Those all set up what the kingship of the Lord looks like. Um, so I thought that was really important to include those. So, all right. So with that, let's turn to our current events. And as always, Jake, let's have you kick things off. All right. So, as I've been doing, um, I will say the headlines, and I guess this week, Bruce will give his uh, opinion on them. All right? <laughs> yes. So, the first one is, Arkansas bill creates antibody exemption for Biden vaccine mandates. Wow. Okay. So, I'm assuming they're talking about monoclonal antibody um, exemptions. So... Or are they also talking about natural immunity? Does that mean if you have natural immunity, um, you're exempt? Or what, what are the details on that? It's talking about um, the if you've had COVID and you have uh, tested positive for COVID antibodies, then you will not, then that business does not have to require. Right. Okay. It. Now, did they also mention monoclonal, monoclonal antibodies at all? Or like you, like that's an alternative treatment method. You could get that. Then you test positive. Like, I don't know if you test positive for antibodies if you've gotten those. Uh, but they would effectively do the same thing, theoretically. And I think a lot of the data currently presents that and, and demonstrates that. Um, did they list an exception for that as well? No. Okay. No, the article did not say that. Okay. Um, wow. Well, that's... Um, encouraging i i it's not 100 percent there because now this is arkansas right yes arkansas has been and actually the the problem with it is that the the senator the senators want to put it through but the um they don't know what the governor is gonna do okay um okay. the governor is a republican but they, uh, the, the governor is also very um, rhino-ish. Ah, so. yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, the sad thing is um, he thinks he can still step on the rights of the people of Arkansas at least a little and mandate this thing. This, you know, he has no right doing that in the first place. Um, right. But then he's also listing exceptions, so it's like, all right, we're kind of dictators, but we're also sort of for freedom, you know? Like it's, yeah. it's like, all right, pick a lane, dude. Which are you for freedom or are you a dictator? Like, do you think it's really your position to mandate this or not? Right. Cool. Thank you and for so sharing that. My second article is <clears throat> nearly fifty thousand Medicare patients died soon after getting the COVID shot. Wow, 50,000. And is there a reason why they've specified Medicare patients? Is that, be, is that just because it's easier to track Medicare probably, patients? Probably. Okay. Probably. And 
I don't know if there is like a national death count or a death count for um for the vaccine people who died from the vaccine or if anybody's tracking that but the reason that these 50,000 wouldn't show up on any of those um on any of those trackers or something is because that that these are 15 days no, sorry, 14 days after they get the vaccine, they're considered unvaccinated. Wow. Yeah. And wow. so. Oh, okay. So. And the, so we're on the death count, it wouldn't consider them vaccinated wow. or, or it wouldn't consider them. They died from the vaccine. Now, that's that's nationwide. You're talking about the nationwide death count. Uh, yeah. And that's. uh. It doesn't say national. I don't know exactly where this is coming from, if it's a specific state or anything, but um, just 50,000 have died from the vaccine. Wow. Wow. That That is crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I would be, um, you know, I, I, I don't doubt it 100%. Um, I would be interested to look at the, at the data. I'm sure it's the numbers are very, very close to that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would, I would want to see if multiple sources were, were touting the same number. I, this, I definitely go ahead. This was from a, uh, a whistleblower. Hmm. So someone who had, oh. um, I don't know exactly what he, it seemed like he was an attorney. Okay. Uh, what was it? Thomas Renz, attorney Thomas Renz. Okay. Um, and it's a whistleblower from I don't know exactly where, but um, yeah, he provided government data documenting 48,000 uh, deaths within 14 wow. days of getting the COVID vaccination. Oh, wow. That's great. And that's just, oh, I get it. That's just within that 14 day. Mm -hmm. Wow. So there's obviously way more that we don't know about because of that ridiculous, yeah. phony 14-day cutoff limit. Um, right. So, wow. So, um, so 14 days is important because if you die within 14 days, you're not considered vaccinated. That's what this article says. <laughs> wow. Oh, you die. Oh, I'm still trying to figure it out. Seems like we're getting two different things. So. You, you okay? So it's so it's within. So what this number, this forty-eight thousand, is talking about after fourteen days or within fourteen days? Um, it sounds like within. Okay. Okay. Uh, so there are more. There are more deaths than, yeah. than what's touted here because obviously yep. fourteen days is an arbitrary cutoff date. So. Like you don't just stop. Like it just it doesn't completely just dissipate within your body and magically disappears after 14 days. Otherwise, you'd have to get re-injected right. every 14 days to maintain your uh, immunity, what little immunity it actually provides, which is almost zero. So, wow. And it seems to be saying, saying in the article, um, if you die within for 14 days, you're not considered vaccinated. You're not considered right. vaccinated. Right. So it seems like... Arbitrary cutoff. Uh, yep. They're saying that it takes a while for the vaccine to actually take effect. And that seems a little bit weird that it would be 14 days. Yeah. That's, yeah. 
That's a long it seems like time. They're, contradi I, I would, they're contradicting themselves because if they say, on the one hand, it takes yeah. a while for it to take effect, then we would say, okay, keep a record. Have they been vaccinated or not? Now, from that indefinitely moving forward, let's track the symptoms. Let's track the deaths. Let's do all of that indefinitely from yeah. this point. Not 14 days, right? And then they're saying, oh, um, we'll only count it up to 14 days. Well, that's like you're saying, okay, so you're saying you're, you're hoping it won't take effect after that. It, it, they're just they're, they're mm -hmm. it's contradictory it doesn't make any sense weird all right wow well so there are more than 48,000 deaths from this experimental gene therapy yep. wow and that's wow. in addition to unforeseen it. side effects yeah and that's within this span of time that he's been uh looking at it mm. so there could have been uh many before this before he actually started tracking it wow wow yep there is a national database called vares i think it's v-e-a-r-s um and i think that's something something adverse side effects <laughs> um and uh that's that's where most of that stuff is listed where we mo where we know most of the um symptoms from this uh, short-term symptoms that are scary enough um so yeah that, that's that's the national database that would do that so maybe this is an addition to that very interesting wow well thanks for sharing that jake that's very very informative yep. information <clears throat> did you have uh, anything else you wanted to any other articles no that is the only two that i had okay cool thanks for thanks for bringing those up um so this week i wanted to I, I, I mean, obviously, I don't pick the news. <laughs> I don't decide what happens this week. But it just so happened that this week, thing after thing after thing, event after event happened in relation to the subject of government schools. So many things happened this week that I just couldn't ignore that subject. Uh, I couldn't not bring it up on the show today. And it just so happened that what I want to talk about with the literature of the month also ties in. I mean, there's a little bit of a thread between the two. So I was just like, oh, that's that's interesting. So um, so I really want to talk about government schools. I know I've did a previous episode. I talked about this on a previous episode. But this this is um, this is even more data. This is even crazier than what I talked about before. Uh, first headline is former Virginia Governor Terry. And then his name I'm going to have to repeat multiple times today. And I'm going to mess it up almost every time because it's really hard to pronounce. <laughs> Um, Terry McAuliffe. I'm just going to say Terry M for the rest of this because there's no way I can say this name. <laughs> um, Terry M says parents shouldn't tell schools what to teach their kids. Literally, he said that. Parents shouldn't tell schools what to teach their own children. So the details on this. Um, mm -hmm. Terry M made the comments during the second and final debate um, between himself and Republican candidate, here's another one, Glenn Youngkin. Youngkin? Let's go with Youngkin. So Republican candidate Glenn Youngkin and Terry M. In Virginia's gubernatorial election, and this is his quote, this is Youngkin's quote, actually. What we've seen over the course of the last 20 months is our school systems refusing to engage with parents. In fact, the Fairfax County this past week uh, in Fairfax County uh, this past week, we watched parents so upset because there was such sexually explicit material in the library they had never seen. 
It was shocking, Youngkin said. Uh, then he went on to say, and in fact, you vetoed the bill, talking to Terry M., you vetoed the bill that would have informed parents that they were there, that those books were there in the library, he added. Um, he went on to say, you believe school systems should tell children what to do. I believe parents should be in charge of their kids' education. Again, he's saying this in a debate, so who knows? I wouldn't, you know, take his word on that. But anyways, he's bringing to light some of the, some of the things that Terry M. has done as previous governor of, of Virginia. Um, Terry M. responded by saying, The parents had the right to veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it. This is his quote, so I don't, I, I don't know. Not to be knowledgeable about it, I guess is what he was trying to say. Also to take them off the shelves, he added. I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decision. And then Youngkin said, you vetoed it. You vetoed that bill. And then Terry M. went on to say, yeah, I stopped the bill. Uh, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. So literally, this guy, former governor of Virginia, came out and said he vetoed a bill that would have allowed parents to have the discretion um, to go into the libraries and, and, and actually see what is being offered to their own children. He vetoed a bill that would make that a possibility. So that's not a possibility right now. Parents are not capable of going into libraries and determining what their parents get to read and what they don't or what their children get to read and what they don't get to read that's not an option parents don't, have in virginia don't the uh parents pay for the school <laughs> yeah right one with taxes yep yep don't don't doesn't everybody <laughs> in that town pay for mm -hmm. that school yep but you have to remember these are the very same parents who offered their children up as sacrifices to the state so this is their fault. They did this. They did this to their children. Mm -hmm. They are so very culpable. They're basically, they're the ones who condone this. This is their fault. These people just did what their religion tells them to do. The, the school teachers, the, the, the government officials who run these things, they, this is their religion. This is what they do. The parents should have known better. They're their children. God gave the children to them, and they offered them up as sacrifices for the slaughter to these disgusting people. So... It's the parents. Yeah. I would blame the parents. Well, well I mean, with, <clears throat> with the current situation that we're in, if, if the parent... I'm not saying that that isn't right. All I'm saying is that um, with the current situation that we're in, what if their church didn't actually... What if they were in a situation where they couldn't homeschool or send them to a Christian school... And that they had to send them to a government school. And their church didn't help them. Yeah. Uh, in trying to get uh, books or things to help them on yeah. homeschool. Well, if, the, if, so, they, if they went to that extreme, the church failed them twice. First time the church failed them was telling them that that's wrong and that they shouldn't do that. Second time, second way they failed them is not providing for them, not giving them what they need to do that or giving them resources or linking them to other people across the world who are more than willing to help them financially. So they, I would say the church failed them twice. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't think it's... I think the parents should know, <clears throat> and we should definitely... People should be going out there telling parents that, hey, we, we need to... The government schools are not to be trusted. I definitely think that should be done. But... Um, I wouldn't totally go against the parents. Now, this is, I don't agree with that, that they can't have any say. 
especially when they want to have a say yeah and they will actually want to get involved it and so i think that they should be allowed to do that totally yeah yep um so next article says uh the headline is and this is a quote in the headline we do not co-parent with the government um virginians react to terry m's I'm just going to keep calling him Terry M. Um, to Terry M's dismissal of parental oversight in education. Um, quoting from the article, Patty, oh gosh, I'm going to skip the middle name because I can't even pr- pronounce that. Patty Menders. Hey, I can pronounce that last name. <laughs> Patty Menders, the president of the uh, Loudoun County Republican Women's Club and a parent with children in Loudoun County Public Schools, told the DCNF, and this is her quote. Well, it's unfortunate that one of our governor candidates, uh, Terry M, <laughs> feels parents do not have a right to their ch- own children in the schools. We do not co-parent with the government. We do not co-parent with teachers or with the school board. We are the parents. And ultimately, we have the final decision over our parent, end quote, from Patty Menders. Uh, oh, and then this is a continuation of her quote. We have every right to know the materials they are reading in the schools. That's our right as a parent. She added, um, I just wanted some, I I wanted to leave some remarks before we went on. Um, we're seeing from most parents in response to this outrage, exactly what big R Republicans do. They gripe and whine without actually fixing the problem. They've been co-parenting with the government since the government schools began. Parents have been offering their children up as sacrifices to their postmodernist lifestyle for almost a century now. This is not new. The moment parents gave up their children to the government, they effectively gave up their rights as parents and agreed to allow the government to co-parent their children. That's what government schools are. Instead of trying to fix a, a corrupt institution that shouldn't exist in the first place, they should be working as hard as humanly possible to shut them down. We as Americans should be outraged that these institutions even exist in our country. But until, church, until churches decide to take a stand and fight back against government schools collectively, this madness will never end. This is only the beginning of what they will force children to do, think, and say your comments, Jake. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, that is... The government schools have been a serious problem, and they've been a problem since the beginning. Uh, yeah. Because we're not um, understanding that God wants us to train our children, not someone yes. else. Yep, yep, yeah. One one final headline I, I wanted to read um, that just kind of brings my point home: um, California parents file lawsuit to stop curriculum that makes kids pray to Aztec gods. That's a curriculum. That's curriculum wow. in in California schools right now. Kids are made to pray to Aztec gods. On the surface, um, parents filing a lawsuit against this sounds like a good thing, right? It seems like parents are standing up to government schools because their kids are being forced to worship false gods. However, closer examination yields a a different, I would say, a different um, result. That's not exactly how it's playing out. Parents are upset about their their kids having to worship Aztec gods, but their reasoning is that there shouldn't be any religion in the government schools. So they do want their kids to worship a god, just not the Aztec ones. They want 
them to worship the god of the postmodernist secular worldview, which is just as bad as the Aztec's religion. If you're not teaching Christian principles, you're teaching against Christian principles. That's your own religion. It's impossible to get away from religion and faith. And so if you're not preaching the truth, you're not teaching children the truth, you are lying to them. You are feeding them lies. So these parents don't want their kids to worship Aztec gods. They want them to worship themselves. They want them to worship humanism, postmodernist worldviews. It's a different god. Scientism. 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 Exactly. Exactly. So unfortunately, what they're trying to say here, their logic is constitutionally schools have no right to do this. And they're saying that because they're, they're saying public schools, the government, should be free of religion, which is wrong, not right. Um, and if that's what constitutionalism means, then I don't want constitutionalism because that's wrong. God didn't say, I want to be part of every aspect of life except the government. I don't want to, I'm not part of that. Nope, leave me out of that. Separate, separate. I'm separate. There's a, there's a separate world. It's a separation of, <laughs> incorrect separation of church and state, right? That meant something else when I think Thomas Jefferson wrote that. It meant something else. Um, but that's what we see it as today. Yeah, that, that means there isn't supposed to be a state religion. Right. So... There isn't so before the Constitution, each state had their own religion, and if you didn't believe in that religion, uh, there really wasn't much you could do. Everything was um, harder, so you couldn't go into school, you couldn't go into law school, or you couldn't go into colleges. You couldn't do much unless you were a part of that state yeah. religion. Yeah. So they wanted they wanted to get rid of that. But that, that separation of church and, church and state does not mean that um, it, it, it was meant to stop uh, making a national religion. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to add that, to that, Jake, before we moved on to our literature of the month? Nope. All right. Um, okay. So moving on to literature of the month. Uh, this this week, we are starting our brand new book, which is God and Government, Volume 1 by Gary DeMar. There are three volumes. So <laughs> um, I have a book here that combines all three together into one, but um, there are also varying books that separate them into three books. So um, so this week, we were, this month, we're reading Volume 1, and this week, we read Chapters 1 and 2. And... Um, yeah, very, very exciting. There's so much information in just the first chapter. I spent most of my time just reading the first chapter and rereading the first chapter and diving deeper. So I did read parts of chapter two, but most of my focus was actually on chapter one. So, um, But I get ahead of myself. Uh, we'll start with you, Jake. And the first question is, what, what did you find most interesting about the chapters? So something that I found uh, interesting and uh, I just want to preface this with, uh, this may sound a little out there. Um, and the book stated that the majority of people today think of the national government first. So when they hear mm, the word yep. government, they think of the national government. Civil government. Yep. And I wanted to say that that sort of seems intentional. Mm, that, very. Um, we already know the leftist agenda wants to dismantle the idea of the family mm. or the church. Yep. And 
So why not make everyone think of government not as multiple governments like the family or church, but as as the only government being the national government? Yes. Um, so just just so this doesn't seem out there, here is some supporting facts in that that I found in the book. Um, how the the government schools changed the name from a government class, for, sorry, from a civics class mm -hmm. to a government class. Yep. So instead of it being a civil government, being one government called the civil government, and then there are other governments, um, but it's considered just a government class. Yes. So, and that's um, a little bit interesting. It's underhanded. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I just They're wanted to, to diminish the authority of the other governments ordained by God by saying, yep. what other government, what other governments, right. <laughs> this is the only one, the civil government. Right. That's That's it. That's all we believe in. Yep. So kids go up knowing, oh, the only type of government is national government. Right. Because they don't talk about the government of the church or family. Yes. Wow. Thank you for bringing that up, Jake. I was... I was uh, feeling guilty that I hadn't brought that up too. I didn't have that in my notes, but I'm really glad that you did. That's that's a really important part of that chapter. Very cool. Um, cool. A anything else to add for? I had nope. Mine. Okay. That was cool. it on answering that question. Nice. Okay. Um, so my answer to this, I, I really liked how Gary DeMar <laughs> spent most of the first chapter breaking down what the word government actually refers to. And this kind of plays off of what Jake was saying. It takes a little bit of a slightly different approach. Um, today, most people hear the word government and automatically assume one is talking about the state, just like Jake was saying. But DeMar talked about how there are many different kinds of government that God has put in place within society. The first and most important kind of government, because it forms the foundation of society, is the individual or self-government. Gary DeMar highlighted the incredible importance of self-government on page 17 uh, when he said, No governing document can create freedom, national stability, and security. The best political intentions are no match for the will of the people. Before anything else can work in a society, oh, sorry, end quote. <laughs> Before anything else can work in a society, the individual must have self-discipline. People who are unbridled by the Holy Spirit are tossed about by every wind of doctrine and will cause a society to crumble from the inside. Because of that, they must be reined in by the other governments that God has put in place within society. Unfortunately, the more a society becomes filled by people who aren't bridled by the Holy Spirit, the more tyrannical Caesar must become to keep that society from ripping itself apart. The Founding Fathers knew this fact well when they wrote the Constitution. One of John Adams' quotes, mentioned in Chapter 1 of Gary DeMar's book, is, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. End quote. This is at least partially why the Constitution is hardly used today in American government. It was not meant to fill the spot in our lives that God is meant to fill. Without the Holy Spirit, we become a people devoid of wisdom and morality. And at that point, the government then steps in and attempts to replace the role of God and his law in our society. The inevitable inevitable eventuality of this is tyranny, since that was not the role God created the civil government for originally. All right, so moving on to question two, 
What did you find most surprising? Uh, and this would be something you hadn't considered that way before. So maybe something you've sort of heard, but uh, th he phrased it in a way that uh, really stuck out to you and you wanted to mention that. Um, something that I found uh, interesting or something that we already know um, is that we must be self-governing. Uh, what is interesting and something we don't think of often is that the government is made up of humans. They are all mm. flawed and they, and they too need to be self-governing. Yes, uh, good point. And so if, if those people are self-governing, then they wouldn't want, they wouldn't be greedy. They would, they would govern themselves. Uh, and so they wouldn't want to take our stuff or take our freedom. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, and also not to mention if the people are self-governed, then the government will not need to get involved. Hmm. Uh, so if there, if people were being actually self-governed and they actually didn't steal things from people and didn't want to murder people and didn't want to commit crime, then there wouldn't be such a need for police. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or so, such a militarized police or yeah. Violently yeah. trained police. Yep. Like we have today. And something that I wanted to bring up sort of as another piece of evidence of this is uh, how much they're restricting the restaurant field. So that's a field that I'm in and I see a lot of the restrictions that go on. Mm, and so, yeah. um, and if people in the restaurant industry would actually follow biblical principles and not only didn't want to make people <clears throat> sick because I don't think that chefs are going around wanting to make people sick, but, yeah. um, but just that they took more precautions in trying to, uh, stop it, stop people from being sick and trying to make sure that there is no way that someone would get sick from their food. So, yeah, definitely. Thanks for bringing that up. Very cool. Um, all right. My answer to this, uh, question, what did you find most interesting? Something you hadn't considered that way before is I really liked the way Gary DeMar talked about the civil government as being one government among many others. On page 10, he says, civil government is just one government among many other legitimate non-civil governments. Civil government, therefore, should have jurisdiction in only those areas where it has biblical and constitutional authority to govern. There are governments, uh, and he listed family and church, which also have legitimate jurisdiction, in their God-ordained spheres, end quote. None of these governments uh, is any less important than the others since they were all created by God to serve different purposes. The civil government, church, and family are all equal under Christ. They should all be attempting as best as humanly possible to fulfill their roles as described in Scripture. Maybe one of the most important topics discussed in chapter 1 was the fact that all governments, civil or otherwise, are in subjection to Christ. None of them are outside the jurisdiction of Christ's reign. Gary DeMar states this quite well uh, on pages 11 and 12 when he talks about 
God's singular government, something he calls God's singular government. He quotes Ephesians 1, verses 20 through 23, and says, When Jesus was raised from the dead, God, and then this is Ephesians, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. So it's important that, yes, we have the the three separate distinct governments, um, but they all are in subjection to Jesus Christ. They're all under his law, under, under him. Um, and it's very important that we, that we remember that. All right. So, um, did you have anything to add, Jake? Nope. All right. So, um, I wanted to talk about question three and I had a really long, um, really long uh, explanation, but I, I think it's really, really important because I wanted to also take some time to break down our theme uh, for this month. So the question that I'll be answering is what part of the reading do you think most applies to the theme of the month? And our theme as a reminder, since it's brand new, this is our first episode, our theme is what is the realm and authority of Caesar? As a bit of a background on our new theme, we're using the, te- the term Caesar to refer to the civil government. So our theme this month is a rephrasing of the question, what is the authority and sphere of the civil government? Um, so that's some background on to, to why we called it that. It's just, um, to, it's, it's a way of eloquently putting it uh, and, and getting, getting across the idea that we're talking about the civil government. Um, and also I would... I would say it's also in relation to um, a lot of people mis- uh, misinterpret the passage of render unto Caesar yes. what is Caesar. And we'll be getting into and, that for sure. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's why we called it Caesar. So people would understand that's what we're talking about. And yep. that uh, they shouldn't take this passage to mean that way. Yes. I don't know if we're going to specifically talk about that passage and what it exactly means. I'm sure Gary DeMar will bring that up at some point. And when he does, hopefully one of us will highlight it. (laughs) Yes. But yes, I will definitely try and highlight if that if that comes up. Cool. Very cool. Um, Okay, so Gary DeMar, now that I've given some background on our theme, um, let me answer the question. Gary DeMar spent most of chapter one outlining the differences between some of the various governments that God has ordained. And we can gather that when a piece of authority has been delegated to one type of government, the other kinds are not to interfere with or attempt to also possess that same authority. DeMar states this specifically in regards to the government of the family on page 7, when he says it is not the duty of the civil government to interfere with the affairs of the family. End quote. So when we learn about the roles and realms of authority that belong to other governments created by God, we are also learning about their limitations, what their confines are. The civil government is not allowed to interfere in the realm of the church or the family, provided the governments of those realms are obeying and fulfilling their duties as described in God's word. When we stop being self-disciplined, we destroy society and the government, then the the civil government. Um, there I am falling back into the old uh, 
you know, the <laughs> that that interpretation of the word, right, that's been forced on us. Um, but uh, the, the civil government then has to step in and, and becomes extremely tyrannical uh, in the process. Education is not Caesar's job. It is the job of the family government. Counseling people with depression or dealing with sin of the heart is also not part of Caesar's job. Those roles belong to the governments of the church and the family. Helping the poor is not part of Caesar's job, and that role belongs to the church as well. Financially providing for those who are retired or can no longer work is not part of Caesar's job. That belongs to the family or to church. the church if they don't have a family willing to care for them. Um, essentially, the more we learn about the realms and authorities of all the various governments ordained by God, the more we become aware of the limitations of Caesar's authority and realm. We start to realize just how limited Caesar's realm really is and begin to understand the vision held by the founding fathers at the beginning of our nation. Things like taxation start to look very different from that perspective because we begin to understand just how little money is actually required for the civil government to operate in a biblical fashion. Eventually, as we come to a more biblical understanding of Caesar's uh, realm and authority, it should spur us into action within our society. We should be constantly looking for ways to fix our horrendously bent and rotten civil government system and bring it back into submission to its true king, Jesus Christ. So that kind of um, introduces our theme this month, gives a little bit of description, talks about um, why we talked about this theme, why we wanted to bring this up. Um, yes, we put out that poll last week, and we got a lot of a lot of feedback from that, which was super cool. So I'm looking forward to sharing our, the results with you. Um, if they're not already on our Gab page. Anyways, you should check out the Gab page anyways to see if maybe you can see the results already. <laughs> I'm not sure if they're already released there. Um, but the uh, the reason we picked this theme was we, we kind of already had this one lined up, but we wanted to figure out what the next couple themes would be. So based on that poll, we have a pretty good bearing for where the show's going to go over the next couple months. Um, but we've been kind of building up to this theme, right? We, we talked about you know, devotion to God above all else. That's the foundation. Everything starts there. We then went into, okay, in your daily life, you're not, let's say you're not a politician, right? You're not actively in the political system. What can you do where you are? And that's where we talked about, you know, discovering and using your God-given gifts. That is the epitome of figuring out and doing God's will um, in your daily life. So that is very, very important. And so, so we, that's, that's why we talked about that. And finally, we, we built up to the topic we talked about this week uh, or this month, which is where I think a lot of this has been leading because this is where things are just so messed up in our society. We have so many issues on so many levels, but this is one of the biggest because our government has grown to such a size that we can't ignore it anymore. Um, I forget which one of the founding fathers said it, but uh, government functioning properly, you shouldn't even know it's there. It should be in the background. It's doing its thing in the background, but it hardly ever gets used. Why? Because it's so small, it's not involved in all the everyday areas of your life. If a crime is committed, then it gets involved. Otherwise, no. Nope. Ain't your job. It's not your realm. Get out of here. That's the family. That's the individual. That's the church. You're not involved, Caesar. 
stay out. But unfortunately, today, we see Caesar involved in everything, from how we are allowed, you know, how we can drive, to uh, how we get our money when we're retired. <laughs> it's utterly insane, every area that Caesar is involved in. So, and, and could that possibly be because the church and the family have become lazy and haven't yep. continued doing their job? Absolutely. So then now the gov national government has to step in? Yep. Well, not, not has to, but has decided to step in right. because it wants right. more control. Yep. They're allowed to because now they have something to market. They have a lie to spin. They have a web of lies to spin because they're like, well, see, there are people who go uneducated. So I guess we have to step in and, and fix it, even though now we have even more people uneducated at lower levels because the government education system fails horribly, as do most things government-related that they shouldn't be involved in. DMV, anyone? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we see that because now they are able to spin those lies um, far easier because people have abrogated their roles, the, the duties they were actually given. So... All right. Anything else you wanted to add? Uh, you wanted to add, Jake? Nope. All right. Well, with that, we have concluded our show. Thank you so so much for listening or uh, listening to us or watching us today. We really really appreciate it. If you could help spread the word um, about the Reform Dissenters, we would love that so very much. Um, share this on all the social media platforms you're on. Uh, spread it with all your friends. Share it. We're really, really trying to grow our audience. Um, we'd eventually like to work up to a point where we can get uh, higher quality equipment to film a little bit uh, higher quality episodes and not have the technical difficulties we did last week and to a lesser extent this week. <laughs> so, um, But to do that, we need a larger audience and we need to eventually get sponsors that way. So we would really appreciate it if you could share this show. Um, and a really easy way to do that is through our website, which is trdshow.net. So you can grab that share that link with everybody and there they can find links to all the platforms we are on it's just so much easier that way so just grab our website trdshow.net and share that around we would so very much appreciate it also if you have questions about the show you have information things you want to share with us comments you just want to say you enjoyed it feel free to send us an email and you can do that at the show inbox which is trdshow at protonmail.com again that's trdshow at protonmail.com very much looking forward to reading some more of your emails thank you so much again and we will see you in the next episode and remember everyone in all that you do do it unto the lord <laughs>